to Joshua chapter 1. And uh, here we see after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, we see how uh, now Joshua is going to take the people of God that have been given all those lessons and then they failed and then their parents died in the wilderness and now they're going in uh, learning from the experience that they have uh, had for the last 40 years uh, following this man by the name of Joshua. In verse number, well, I'm going to go, sorry. I was going to start in verse number one. I don't have it all in there. Joshua chapter one. And I'll read verse number one to verse number nine. It says, Now after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not, be, shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I is with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just guide me in this message tonight, and I pray it would uh, just be something that would encourage us uh, just to continue seeking your will for our lives and completing it. And I pray, dear God, that uh, you would just help us with your power and the things that you've told us to stay encouraged to continue in the work. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage, what you'll see is uh, several times uh, the Lord telling Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Uh, the word courage simply means to be steadfast-minded. It means to be determined, bold, courageous, and to conquer. And so what we need to do is uh, take this uh, admonition that's been given to Joshua and take it personally here because we've been looking at Exodus, looking at the lessons that will prepare us for the land of the will of God for our lives. And now they're going in, and these are God's final words to Joshua saying, this is what you need to keep in mind as you go into the will of God for your life. And so I want to just talk about that today, just simply uh, going forward or being courageous to do the will of God, whatever you want to title it, it's up to you. Uh, there's so many things I could title it, and I think I changed it three or four times. Finally, I just said, I'll let them title it, amen? <laughs> and so many times Christ said in the, in the Bible, uh, be of good courage, over and over and over again. 
And so to accomplish the will of God in our lives, we must be courageous in our journey. We must not run and hide from what God has for our lives. I think basically why a lot of Christians don't uh, finish God's will is because they're not courageous. They just are, they just fail. They just back out of it. Uh, it's too much. It costs too much. And so they don't do it. And the Lord is not there to, you know, push you. Uh, look at even the children of Israel. He gave them the opportunity to go in. They failed to take it. And then he let them wander where they were. Um, he didn't uh, force anybody to do the will of God for their lives. And, and I don't think the Lord is going to force us either. Because if he's got to force you, then really you're not much good for him in the will of God. It has to be a free will service. It has to be a service out of love for him. And it has to be of faith. If faith isn't there, there's really no uh, going forward for the will of God. I was reading about a young girl and her father who decided to climb Mount Washington. As darkness fell and unexpected cold weather sapped the last of their strength, they became discouraged and they sat down on the trail. During the night, the girl died from exposure and heart failure due, due to the extreme cold. When the morning light dawned, her distraught father soon discovered that if they would have just walked a few more feet, they would have seen the lights of a place called Tip Top Cabin. It was a place where a fire would have saved the, the young girl. Sometimes discouraging circumstances or discouraging circumstances prevented them from reaching that place of safety. And so many times before the before you know the blessing is or before. The thing that God wants us to accomplish comes to reality. We many times stop before that's there. And I think that's a warning to us all. And so uh, the word discourage, if you look in the dictionary, it means to deprive of courage or confidence. So you lose your confidence, you lose your courage to go forward for the will of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 35, it says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. So anybody that's backing out of the will of God or not doing the will of God for their life has somehow lost their confidence in the will of God for their life. And there's many reasons why people do that. It's not just one reason. Uh, Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. In other words, there's all kinds of things that the Lord has for you to partake of in your life. But if you're not going to stay on the trail and keep on going on, even though it's tough and even though it's hard, you're not going to get those things or be a partaker of those things that God wanted you to have. You're going to lose that opportunity. And so that's because of getting discouraged. Now, of course, the ultimate uh, defeat is in First John, John 2.28 says, Now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence. And so abiding in Christ is really the key to continuing on in that confidence. And it says, And not be ashamed before him at his coming. So that confidence is very important. If you lose your confidence, what's going to happen is you're going to be ashamed at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ashamed aspect is, remember, I've taught on this before, being ashamed is when you finally realize that you put your faith in something that didn't take you through. You lost because you had your faith in the wrong strength, in the wrong uh, thing. And, you know, when you, that's why the Bible says, 
whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not be ashamed. So if you've asked Christ to be your Savior, when you see him one day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to follow through. I mean, you're going to see the end of that. No, nobody at the end of, being, of receiving Christ as their Savior is going to be ashamed at the end when they see the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Because they put their faith in the right person. Now, you put your faith in Buddha, you're going to be ashamed. You put your faith in anything else, you're going to be ashamed. If you put your faith in an idol, you're going to be ashamed. If, if you don't trust God to take you through in your Christian life and, and, and that step-by-step -step walk that you need to have and, and you kind of say, well, I don't trust that God's going to take care of me. You see, you're putting your faith in something that isn't the Lord. And the Bible says at the end of all of that, you're going to be ashamed at his coming. So it's very important that we don't lose our confidence that we continue in that confidence and we just keep on keeping on because uh, the time's going to come where what we put our trust in is going to be revealed. And we'll either be ashamed because we weren't trusting the Lord and, or we'll be happy and full of joy because we were trusting him and we continued till the end in that same hope. Amen? And so the thing is about discouragement is uh, the couple things you need to know is that good people get discouraged. Uh, you do. <laughs> you know, I do. We can all get discouraged. I heard one preacher preach one time, and he says, you should never be discouraged. If you're discouraged, there's something wrong with you. And I says, what? well, sure, there's something wrong with us when we're discouraged, but at the same time, you're going to be discouraged. I, want, I don't want to hear how that we shouldn't. I'm just saying, what happens when we are? <laughs> you know, how do we make sure that we keep ourselves focused when those discouraging times come, amen? Because I don't think there's any Christian that's ever gone through life and did not get discouraged. And if you have, you really haven't taken, you know, face life yet. And it's going to come. And this was a young preacher. He had just started the ministry. I thought, oh my goodness, man, the day is coming. <laughs> You're going to eat those words. <laughs> and I'm sure he did. But Moses became discouraged. Uh, you see in Numbers 11, verse 14, it says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. So he got to the place where he said, this is too much. I'm overloaded. I'm overwhelmed. You ever been there? That can make you discouraged. All right. We already looked at, you know, um, that we need to exhort one another daily, lest any of you through the deceitfulness of sin will become discouraged. And so sin is another issue. So Moses, you got Elijah. Of course, Elijah had a great victory on on, on the mountain there, Mount Carmel, and uh, defeated uh, all the prophets of Baal and killed them, 400 of them. And, uh, of course, the Lord sent rain, and, and uh, it was just a blessing to see how the Lord answered that. But Jezebel immediately put a hit on Elijah and said, well, I'm going to kill him. In fact, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she says, by tomorrow, this time, you're going to be like those prophets of Baal. You're going to be dead. You're going to die by the sword. Um, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, 
take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. <laughs> now, uh, many times the reason why we get discouraged in a situation is because we feel that we're not worthy actually to escape it. We're not worthy to actually experience the victory of God in our life. And you know what's interesting, because I thought about this with Elijah, he says, I am not better than my father's. And so what he's saying is, I'm discouraged because of my weaknesses. And isn't that true in the book of James? Did it not say that Elijah, when he was talking about praying, was a man of like passions, like as we are? So the Lord was using that as an example. Here he had a man that had the same type of passions that you have and the same weaknesses that you have, yet God used him mightily. But you got to be careful because your weaknesses can actually become a source of discouragement for you because you think that somehow everything in the world is going to depend upon you being this perfect person that is never going to make a mistake or never feel that you're, uh, you know, that you doubt or whatever because Elijah doubted. He ran for his life. He should have just stood there and said, well, the Lord's going to protect me. Well, that would be the spiritual thing to do, but he didn't. Now, did the Lord forsake him in this? No, he didn't. In fact, the Lord didn't even rebuke him for this. Because the Bible says that the Lord knows our frame, you know. And the thing is, God goes forward and protects us and uses us in spite of many of our weaknesses. I'm not talking about the deceitfulness of sin. I'm not talking about wickedness. I'm talking about just simply the like passions, the, the you know, lo looking at yourself and realizing, Lord, I, I, I don't think I'm good enough for this. I, I'm not worthy enough for this. And so we back out of God's will because somehow we think, God can't use me. Those preachers that are God's using in a great way, they're just like supermen. They're just way above us. You know, that's not true. They are just like Elijah. They are just like you. They are men of like passions. They are men of weaknesses. They, have, they get hurt. They get discouraged and all those things. And so we got to be careful that we don't get discouraged and quit the will of God because somehow we think that we're not good enough, you know, I remember thinking a long time ago about the Lord, and I knew the Lord was good, and I knew the Lord cared. I'm not going to say the Lord doesn't care. <laughs> It'd be crazy. But you know, the thing is, what I had a problem uh, applying to my life was that the Lord cared about me. When I, I couldn't make it personal. Yet if you tell me, hey, does the Lord care? I'd say, absolutely. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. But it's so easy to apply that to everybody around you. But when you look at yourself, oh, well, I don't know if he cares about me. Well, he does. <laughs> he does. He does care about you. So you've got to be careful because dis discouragement comes in ways like that. Where you get discouraged because you don't think God is going to, you're not worthy of God's attention. Why would God care about you? Amen. I'd be better off just dead. <laughs> you know, why am I even here anyways? I'm just a waste of breath, waste of air, waste, you know, whatever. And you know what? Those things can easily come into your mind, easily, especially on, uh, on the heels of a time of victory. You just come over a, a mountaintop. Guess what's on the other side of the mountaintop? Whoosh, <laughs> a valley. And that's what happened to Elijah. Literally, he went down that mountain. <laughs> By the time he hit the bottom, he was discouraged. Amen. So we got to be careful because that's going to keep us out of the will of God. And discouragement is really a result of a wrong perspective. I think our minds just aren't focused the way they ought to be. Uh, like the Bible says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And so all I know is that that is true and that is true for us. But many times with us, um, (laughs) we're, we're a work in progress. Lord, how do I keep my mind stayed on you? How do I keep focused on you? You know, because it seems like when things going backwards, I started looking at what's going to happen, the problems and all these different things. And my mind is not stayed on the um, Moses, Elijah and Jonah. They all asked for God to grant them death instead of facing what seemed to be impossible odds. They all asked for it. Yet three great men, I mean, God used each one of them. These men allowed themselves to get discouraged by allowing the problem to become bigger than God. And that's what kept Israel out of the promised land. Those giants were bigger than God. Those giants were bigger than them. They knew that, but they didn't attribute the size that God had against those giants. And that's really what, what, where it comes from. So it's a wrong perspective in our thinking. And many times it's a wrong, it's a result of asking the wrong questions. Like, why me? Why am I going through this? You know, why me? Me, 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 you know. And I think we need to say, well, why not me? (laughs) Well, because the Bible says in Job 14.1, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. I mean, your day is going to be full of trouble. Did somebody tell you 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 weren't going to have trouble? (laughs) You know, I mean, that's generally, you're talking about mankind there's going to be trouble. And then you get saved on top of that. Then you've got extra trouble. You understand? So don't think you're going to go through life without trouble. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have challenges and battles and things you're going to have to face. And so sometimes we think, hey, I, I think I'm just supposed to be going through a life here that's just kind of smooth and sailing. And I mean, that should be the 95% of my life. And when it's not, we get discouraged. Then we lose our confidence. And we start backing out of God's will once again. Sometimes someone said, adversity is a better friend than prosperity. You know, sometimes, and I can vouch for this myself, and not that I'm I'm saying I want it, you know, but I do vouch for it, that the adversity in my life has accomplished more in my life than the prosperous times. And you could all say the same thing. If you handled it right, because sometimes adversity drives us away from the Lord and we don't find our way back. Amen. So we need to ask, Lord, what is your purpose? What is the lesson that you want me to learn? Realizing that, hey, this isn't a surprise. God allowed this thing. This this trouble is here for a reason. Uh, Is this just like a chance thing with God's people? Well, look at Job. Uh, Did not Satan have to go and get permission from God even to touch Job and his property and all those things. So there's a hedge about him. So if you do right, you keep your heart right, there's a hedge about you. That's what the Bible says. And if you have a hedge about you and you're doing right, and then something hits you, you know, if you evaluate your heart and say, Lord, I don't have any sin in my life that I'm, you know, not dealing with, or uh, there's nothing here that I, you know, that is coming to my mind, Well, it may just be that the Lord is saying, I want to teach you something. Or I want to use you in this. So the Lord himself brings down the hedge. I would say, make sure you let the Lord be in control of the hedge. Don't take control of the hedge. (laughs) All right? 
You know how you take control of the hedge? You just allow sin in your life. And now you've taken down the hedge in your life. Because that's, that's you yourself giving Satan permission. I don't want to give Satan permission. But if the Lord gives him permission, the Lord knows what I can handle. The Lord knows what I'm going through. And so he can say, I know exactly how far that hedge should go down. Amen. But when it comes to me and my decision, <laughs> I'll tear down the hedge and thinking I can handle it. You know, oh, I can quit any time or this doesn't bother me. And sure enough, bam, that sin pays its price. Amen. And so um, many times discouragement is a result of having wrong expectations. You know, don't, don't allow yourself to be discouraged because of your unfulfilled expectations of people. That is the biggest source, I think, with God's people. You bring up, you, you f <laughs> drum up this idea of what people should be for you, and then they're not like that for you. Amen? And you will get discouraged. And so it's nice to be appreciated, but we must never expect to be appreciated. So let me ask you this. If you're doing the will of God, do you need someone to appreciate you to continue? Or would you just keep on going, though nobody pats you on the back for what you're doing? That's, you know what? That is the difference between many people that are out of church and in church right there. They want to be patted on the back. And I can tell sometimes when people are like that because they begin to tell me all the things that they're doing. Saying, hold on there. <laughs> I have no problem praising people when they sacrifice, when they go above and beyond for the Lord. And you'll see me do that in a church service. And I have no problem. The Bible says, let another man praise thee. But you ought to be very careful of that expectation that I should praise you or that someone else should praise you. That's where you're going to become discouraged. And you will walk out of the will of God for your life if you continue down that road. So don't fish for compliments. A lot of people do that. They want, they, they fish for it. <laughs> they say things that lead people. So, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're a good, oh, I don't know why I'm so bad. You want, oh, somebody says, oh, you're not so bad. No, nobody loves, oh, no, no, we love you. They don't really believe that. They're just fishing for a compliment. And what if someone doesn't say it? <laughs> what if I don't, what if I don't, Bite that hook, amen, when you're fishing for that compliment. What are you going to do with that? Walk away from God? Quit church? Get all discouraged? Folks, I, I tell you, that's probably the most, um, the biggest thing that I've seen in local churches to this day as a pastor is this thing right here in, in God's house. It's people's expectations. And you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Because what, what you're doing is, you're forgetting that you're not doing this for people's applause. <laughs> you're doing this for a future reward. You're doing this for Christ. And that means you should be willing to go your whole life without one pat on the back for what you've done. Now, if you get a pat on the back, which you probably will, <laughs> amen, sure enough, there's good people in your life that will say, hey, great job, and because the Bible says they should do that. And if you get that, that's wonderful. But if you don't, there's some preachers, Jeremiah, you tell me where he got the pat on the back. 
good job, Jeremiah. No, they kept throwing him in the pits and they kept saying all kinds of things. You know, the only blessing at the end of all of that, they, they let him kind of meander around Israel without taking him to Babylon, which was a good thing. But yet he never got a pat on the back. Never. Yet he continued faithfully in his ministry. He never even had one convert. Not one person got right because of his preaching. Now, what if he had expectations? <laughs> you know, I'm going to go out there. We're going to see some God do some great things. God's going to do some marvelous things through my life. Man, you'd be questioning whether <laughs> God's really using you at all. But yet now when you read the scriptures and you look back at the example and all the things that God had him there for, you realize that you needed someone that was giving them the message because you needed to see that they were not submitting to the things of God. And that's why the chastisement came upon them. So to us, Jeremiah is teaching us things that we would never have known unless we have seen his life and his message to Israel at that time. But in the moment, can you imagine just seeing right in front of you, <laughs> Jeremiah, what they're doing? He could have easily got discouraged. Just expectations, you know. So the accolades will come in glory, and perhaps if you're consistent in your walk with God, you may receive the occasional good job on earth. <laughs> but this should never be our expectation. The Apostle Paul many times referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, the word servant uh, in that context is mostly like a bond slave. Now, I remember I got kind of tripped up with a guy in town. He was saying that God's a slaver and it's for slavery and all this kind of thing. Well, the thing is what happened in the Old Testament, a person could enslave themselves by choice. In fact, it was against the law to take a man and kidnap them and make them your slave. But by choice, you could give yourself to that master for seven years and work for them. Meanwhile, he will take care of you and your family. It's a deal is what it is. But at the end of seven years, they would let them go. In fact, the Bible says the command was, after seven years, you have to release this, this bond slave. But then what took place is if this uh, slave that's been there for seven years loves what he's doing. Well, what kind of slave would love what he's doing? Well, one that isn't like everybody thinks the Bible is talking about. A slave that has a master that's taking care of him and his family. The Bible says you can go the rest of your life like that, but you have to make yourself a bond slave. You have to make a bond with your master. And that's where they put the all through the ear and the door and so forth. And, and now he would commit himself as a slave to his master for the rest of his days. Or until the year of Jubilee, I think. <laughs> Which is the 50th year. And so, that is the type of slave that the Lord is saying we ought to make ourselves to him. A bond slave. Many of us are acting like the initial slave. Seven years, I'm there, and I'm out. I'll try this for a year, and I'm gone. <laughs> you know, you've got so many expectations that you're not willing to stick it out. So you always have a time limit on the things that you do. When people come to me and they always have a time limit, then I know there's something wrong with their Christianity. Well, I'm going to give this chance for six months. I'll give this. You're not going to make it. <laughs> you're not going to make it. Because there's no way that you're going to make it as a child of God and the will of God unless you make yourself a bond slave to the Lord. 
Amen? Because you'll not have your expectations fulfilled. In those six months, you'll get discouraged. In that one year, that two years, you get discouraged. And I don't know, have you ever heard somebody talk like that? <laughs> I've heard people talk like that. I've had people tell me that. And they thought they were making a righteous decision. I, you know, what am I going to say? <laughs> you know? Say, no, you should be a bond slave for life. You should give yourself to the will of God. You should have no time limit on God's will for your life. You know? So the bond slave would give up his right to do what he wanted to do because he knew he had a good master and the master took care of him and he'd be protected and everything he ever needed would be right there in his master's uh, resources and so forth. That's exactly what we ought to do. So how can we be encouraged? And I'll be done here. First thing is this. Understand there is a purpose to do God's will. You have a purpose. We saw that in verse number two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. So he had a purpose. He had a calling. So do you know you have a calling? Now, ladies, you're not called to preach. All right? You're not called to pastor. But you do have a calling. Everybody here has got a calling. And you can find them in the scripture. I just encourage you, get yourself a, a concordance and look up calling. And start making a list of all the things that the Lord has called you to. Or the word called. And start writing down. These are the things I'm called to be. One of those is called to suffer. I don't like that one. <laughs> well, that's where we back up. Right? So we all got callings. And so we need to understand that there is a calling. What we're going through isn't just an accident. It's not just by chance. And I understand. Uh, some of you are here. Because of decisions you've made. And the decisions you made weren't even made understanding that I'm making this because of God's calling. <laughs> but isn't it amazing how that God will move you, even in some of your wrong decisions, and bring you to the right place so that he can do his will through your life? That's a miracle. It really is. I'll never understand it, but that is a mark of a very sovereign God. <laughs> you know, that he can operate sovereignly within your free choice. And come to the end like he always wanted it to happen in your life. There's nothing that will stop that with him. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to go move there. He says, that's not going to change my mind. Well, I'm going to go there. He says, that's not going to change my mind either. Well, the only thing that will if you allow sin in your life and you just back out of God's will. But as long as you're willing to go forward, he'll always use you somehow. Now, sometimes there are some consequences in some of these moves. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful because sometimes you move for the wrong reasons. You got bitterness and anger, those type of things, so then you have to deal with those things. In fact, you always got to go back to the crossroads. You know that, right? So that's why whenever I talk to somebody about membership, I'll always say, okay, where'd you come from? And we'll try to find out, has there been anything, any kind of crossroad you've been at that you made a wrong choice? Or you made a, a, a less than ideal choice? Let's make sure it's dealt with, right? So you can go forward freely in the will of God. But there is a calling for each one of us. And I'm going to go through some of these. Uh, the second point is this. There are promises. Look at verse 3. It says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon unto the great river, and so on. And so he says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. That's a promise. 
So here, you're making a decision of going forward in the will of God, and you're saying, okay, can I actually do this? Is this actually possible? Well, all you know is this. If you're doing the will of God, you will always be successful. You understand that, <laughs> all right? If you keep doing the will of God, every place you put your foot, he'll give to you. If you're doing his will. Now, if you're not doing his will, and you still want every place that you put your foot, that's not necessarily going to happen. But whatever he has planned for your life, whatever he has called for you, and you are going forward in that, maybe not understanding everything, but you are going forward, trusting that you're making the right steps, every step you take is given to you by God. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Not discouraged, but delighteth in his way. Amen? And so there are promises. Uh, letter C, or number three. There is protection to do God's will. It doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> you don't have any numbers on your page. There is protection. Notice what it says in verse five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So, in other words, there is nothing that will stop you from doing the will of God if you're willing to go forward in the will of God. So you can't say, I'm going to do the will of God, uh, but I'm a little afraid of what, what's going to come and, and maybe I'm going to be stopped or maybe it's not going to work out. Well, the Bible tells us right there that no man will be able to stand before thee. That means nobody can stop the will of God for your life. Not one purpose person on this planet. <laughs> Not even your pastor. I can't. I cannot stop the will of God for your life. The only one that can do that is you when you make your choices. Amen? So what a great thing to keep us encouraged. You know, realizing that there's a, a purpose. You know, realizing that there's promises that as we go or wherever we put our foot. But then also there's protection that nobody's going to stop me. And Isaiah 54, this is where it really goes. People use this verse all the time, verse 17. It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So think about that. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So have I made myself a servant? I'm serving you. He says, well, then your heritage is no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. No man will be able to stand before you. No man will be able to stop you from doing the will of God. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Remember Moses? He had to deal with Korah and his dudes. <laughs> you have to go through things. Amen? You have to deal with problems and people, and that's just an ongoing thing in, in the Christian life. But what it's saying is at the end of all of that, you will always continue to go forward so many times you think oh is this going to finally destroy me is this going to destroy god's will well no <laughs> as long as i'm willing to do the will of god i will always be able to fulfill the will of god is that important for you do you want that do you now you say well pastor you're a preacher you must know the will of god well i know the will of god for me being a preacher right now but folks there's a lot of mystery for me too just like you as with any other servant of God. Now, I may know a big chunk of what I'm supposed to be as a servant of God. 
But, you know, there's things that I don't know about the future. I'm still got to trust him with the steps that I take and the way that I go, you know, and the decisions that we have to make. And so all of us are in that same boat. I'm called to be a preacher, a pastor. You're called to be something else, you know. And you need to find out what that is from the scripture. What am I called to be? And am I allowing this calling to keep me from being what God wants me to be? Well, I'm called to suffer. Well, I don't want to suffer. Well, then you're keeping your, your calling is keeping you from going forward because you're not submitting to it. Amen? And so I encourage you to do that Bible study. Uh, the fourth point is there are people that depend on your faithfulness to God's will. Notice in verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So here he is as a leader, and God's saying, I'm making you promises so that you can be a blessing to them. Now, I'm not saying that Joshua would have backslidden and quit, quit on God. The Lord would have made a way for this to continue on for them. But this is what you need to understand is that if God is using you, why in the world would you want to back out of that having the privilege to be used of the Lord to help other people? And why would you want to let them down? Amen? You understand everything you do is teaching our children something. The way you handle yourself, how over-emotional you are, how angry you get, you're teaching people. You're either helping them or hurting them. Everything we do is helping or hurting. We need to make a decision to go forward in the will of God. Because there's people. <laughs> I'm not saying that this whole church hinges on me. Because if I weren't here, the Lord would raise up someone else to stand in this place. I know he would. Because he is great. <laughs> Amen. But all I know is I have the privilege to be here right now. For the people. And I've got to keep that in my mind all the time, that the success of the people is many times based upon my decisions that I'm making. Just like for you as a parent and your kids. Your calling is to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so your decisions are making an impact on your kids. Amen? So why don't we want to get discouraged? Why don't we want to just quit on God? It's because... Our children will learn from that. And that's why many families are out of the will of God today. And their children as well. Look at the children of Israel. Their parents did not want to go in. Who suffered for 40 years? The children. <laughs> now he let them in, but that's 40 years. So if you're five years old, when your parents didn't want to go into the will of God, you're now 45. You could have been in the promised land since you were five years old, but 40 years were spent in the wilderness. Did God get them there? Of course he did. But 40 years. And that 40 years is because of mom and dad. Think about it. So my decision has an impact on this church. Now God will raise up somebody, God will do something and so forth, or he could close the doors, you know. But the fact of the matter is, I need to understand the decisions I make doctrinally, decisions I make uh, methodologically here in this ministry will either bring us further away from what God's plan is or towards God's plan. 
I don't want to bring you on a 40-year journey here. <laughs> Amen. I want to keep, just keep on moving into the promised land. Amen. With all the trouble and everything. Number five, we got principles that will guide the will of God for your life. And you see that in verse number seven. It says, and only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So why did he have to be courageous? Why couldn't he be discouraged? Because it would keep him from observing the word of God. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous <clears throat> that thou mayest observe. So that means that if I'm not courageous and I'm not strong, I'm not going to obey the word of God. That's it. <laughs> so you're wondering here, why didn't you just say, uh, Joshua, go into the land and obey the Bible and God will bless you. Why does he say, only be thou strong and very courageous? Three different times in this passage. Wouldn't it be enough that God just say, oh, well, this is what I want you to do? <laughs> because it's not just obedience. Obedience is a result of you making a decision in your heart to be courageous and strong in the Lord. So that you can do the will of God. Many times... We face that principle at the time when, the, when, the, when, when all the, the heat is up to the highest degree. And then we look at, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> but if you've already been building your courage, you've already been strengthening your soul, when that heat comes, you're going to make the right choice. Because you know this is the best way. This is the safe way. This is the prosperous way. But you need to be strong and courageous. So if you're discouraged and you're living a life of discouragement, folks, <laughs> good men get discouraged, but good men get out of it. Elijah wasn't there very long. Moses wasn't there very long. I don't know about Jonah, how long he was there. Probably longer than he should have been. Never heard of him again, by the way. Amen. That discouragement will take you out of the will of God. Why? Because it will keep you from observing the word of God. You will not be obedient in a discouraged state. That's what he's saying there. He says, you got to be strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the law. Amen? So think about that next time. You want to go in the fetal position in your bed. Everybody, nobody likes me. You're going to become disobedient. And you're going to lose the will of God for your life. Get that. That's why I talk about thumb suckers. You got to get your thumb out of your mouth if you want to go forward for God. And you haven't even done anything for Him yet. All you did is get your thumb out of your mouth. That is the first step. You've got to become strong and courageous. And then you've got to obey the Word of God. Or you won't. Your discouragement will keep you from obedience. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, how many times when you're discouraged, feeling sorry for yourself, do you sit there memorizing scripture, meditating on the word of God? I guarantee you, you do not. 
when you are discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're anxious, and you're not willing to get out of it, you're just allowing it to seduce you to continue on in it, the, the, furthest, the furthest thing from your mind is the Word of God. You know what you're thinking about? All the problems. How could that person do that to me? And every time you go talk to somebody, that's the first thing out of your mouth. How could they? Instead of, thus saith the Lord. All I'm saying is this. You can do that for the rest of your life if you want. I mean, if that's the way you want to live, you go ahead and do that. But I'm just going to warn you on this. You will not obey the word of God. You will not have success. And success means the termination of something. That means you won't get to the end and realize it's done. And then also, your way will not be prosperous. That means all along the way, every day, so it's going to be, oh, life sucks. <laughs> well, sure it does. You're not obeying the Lord. You're not tithing. People wondering, my finances, they're all... <laughs> Folks, your finances have nothing to do with how much money you make. Your finances have to do with how much you trust the Lord. Do you understand that? Many people, they say, I'm not going to give to God because I can't afford to do it. <laughs> well, what are you saying there? <laughs> You're saying, God cannot take care of me, so I need to disobey him in order to take care of myself. That's exactly what it is, unless you haven't learned it, and of course, then you're just learning it now. <laughs> Amen? Do you understand that? I've never seen some of you that didn't tithe, that actually admitted it, that actually was sound in their financial principles in their life. And I'm not saying that you won't be struggling financially. Sometimes you won't be able to pay your bills the way you want to. Sometimes you'll have debts. But all I know is this, that if you'll always put the Lord first, he will always take you out of it. And sometimes he'll bring you right down to the dry bones. <laughs> Amen, he will. And I've been there many times. But every time and every time he has brought me back out again. I told you the example of our first ministry. Folks, we've lived this. I've lived it. I did depend upon God for everything. <laughs> everything. But I had to make sure that when I got my paycheck from the church, 10% went back. And always a little more, 10 point something. So I never wanted to make a mistake. <laughs> Amen. I always rounded up. Do you understand that? It wasn't based on how much income I made. It was based on my trust, the fact that I knew that if I don't have God's blessing on my life, this is all for naught. And I understand, folks, I don't know why I'm talking about tithing. Not on my notes, <laughs> you know. But it basically is the ultimate expression of trusting God. Because money, many times, is the closest thing to your heart. And it's the last thing you're willing to give. <laughs> I had a couple of men one time in front of me. And they started, I, mean, I don't know about that tithing thing. I just can't. I'm saying, do you know I'm standing here? <laughs> I don't want to hear this. You know? Folks, it's about trusting God. It's not about the money. Do you understand that? Well, what's tithe? 5%? Tithe means tenth. I would say I would hate to get to the Lord one day and realize I've been giving eight. 
that I've never tithed in my life because I only gave him 8%. Think about that for a second. If he told me a tithe, then I want to make a tenth. See, if you get discouraged about your finances, you're going to stop tithing. Right? Well, the Lord wouldn't expect that I would, you know, starve over this. You know, the Lord gave me a brain and I need to use my brain. <laughs> the Lord's not as interested in your brain as he is in your heart. Amen? You understand what I'm saying here, folks? I know it's hard. You say, yeah, but times are so tough, I know. And this is the time we turn to him. This is the time we become obedient. But if we're already discouraged, we've got to deal with that. Be strong and very courageous. Don't be discouraged. It's going to keep you from observing all what the Lord has commanded you to do. Amen. Let's bow.